Good morning, Connecticut. To our friends across the sound, it's Director of Public Affairs, John Voquette. Thanks for tuning into our award-winning public affairs program for the people, bringing you the latest information to help address concerns in our communities tied to youth, the economy, public health and safety, aging, education, and the environment. Well, on Saturday, May 4th, from 8 to 3, the American Association of University Women's Connecticut Chapter is hosting its sixth annual Tech Savvy Conference at Trinity College for sixth to ninth grade girls who want to learn about careers in science, technology, math and engineering as well as for parents and educators who want to encourage girls to realize their potential in these fields so we're going to open chatting with one of the primary hosts of this year's tech savvy event and clue you in on why attendance for a young woman you know is so important then we're going to talk financial literacy national financial literacy month is happening right now in april and it's the ideal time to purge the waste from your spending habits and take control of your finances we're going to join the president and ceo of the nonprofit nutmeg state financial credit union to discuss the importance of financial education and give us some tips to become financially fit And then we're closing with a segment on one of the greatest threats to life and safety on our roads. April is also Distracted Driving Awareness Month. So we're going to go right to the source, the National Safety Council, to discuss the latest implications of distracted driving and try to reinforce why everyone should set a potentially life-saving example when they're behind the wheel and put down your phone. We'll be back with these segments and more on the award ring for the people with me, John Voquette, right after this reminder. Coming up on Saturday, April 27th, the American Red Cross and its partners are going to visit homes in the greater New Haven area to help install 1,000 free smoke alarms during a national effort called Sound the Alarm. The Home Fire Safety and Smoke Alarm Installation event is part of a two-week push of Sound the Alarm in 100 cities with high risks of home fires, which kill more in a typical year in the United States than all other natural disasters combined. On April 27th, volunteers in coordination with New Haven City officials and fire department will go door to door installing free smoke alarms, replacing batteries and existing alarms and helping families create a home fire escape plan. Services are free and available to all people in need. Visit soundthealarm.org slash Connecticut to make an appointment for a free home fire safety visit or to register to volunteer. Once again, register now at soundthealarm.org slash Connecticut. Well, regular listeners to the award-winning For the People know we are STEM cuckoo here on Sunday morning. And uh, we often bring in folks who uh, talk about ways of getting young people interested in uh, the STEM fields. And today is no different. Uh, but the advice also comes with an invitation. On Saturday, May 4th, between 8 and 3, the American Association of University Women's Connecticut Chapter again hosts their annual Tech Savvy Conference at Trinity College in Hartford. This is the sixth annual Tech Savvy Conference, and we're going to hear all about it. But if you know or love or are the parent or caregiver or educator of a sixth to ninth grade girl who wants to learn about careers in science, technology, math, and engineering, uh, this is the event for you. Uh, please save the date for Saturday, May 4th, and welcome our guest this morning. She's the director of the Center for Interdisciplinary Science uh, and the Director of the Science Center at Trinity College. She's also co-chairing this event, Allison Draper. Dr. Draper is with us. Uh, Dr. Draper, great to meet you. Thank you. So tell me about your uh, STEM inspiration moment. Uh, What uh, was it in in your uh, childhood or youth uh, that uh, made you decide this was the direction you wanted to take your life? 
Yeah, that's such an interesting question. So I was a real outdoors person when I was a kid and, you know, enjoyed climbing trees and digging up bugs and things like that. Um, but by the time I get to college, like a lot of girls, I'd sort of found interests in, in other areas. And it was because I took chemistry for, um, for college credit and for college distribution purposes that I really kind of got back in touch with my STEM interests. Um, so as a sophomore in college, I um, took my first chemistry class and then sort of ran with it from there. Mm, were you, were you, did you find that you were uh, quickly bridging the, the kind of organic hands-on interest in, uh, in things more biology in nature to the, uh, to the kind of uh, complex and sometimes very overwhelming exposure <laughs> to uh, chemistry uh, that people feel when they first encounter education in that area? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think it helped that I was also taking a course in environmental science at the same time, so I could see how the chemistry was applied to real-world problems. Mm. Um, but my interest all along was sort of in how chemistry applied to human health. Um, and so when I finished my undergraduate degree, I then went on to a PhD program in toxicology, um, mm. which really allowed me to take that really technical knowledge in chemistry and then apply it to problems in human health. You're also all over the board in terms of uh, science applications, uh, you are a certain uh, worthy person to be uh, both uh, hosting this event and and uh, talking about it because uh, uh, you can really kind of enter the conversation on uh, on many different points. Yeah, yeah, um, it's such a great event, you know, and and um, and you mentioned the inter- interdisciplinary nature of it. You know, we have workshops for the girls ranging from engineering and math to um, biology and and chemistry. Right, and for and this this is just five bucks for attendees, and and also the exciting thing is that um, you can get educators in to begin to kind of uh, teach the teachers to uh, to walk the talk when it comes to. Uh, uh, not just promoting STEM as a viable uh, and welcoming option for young women, um, but also uh, to, to be able to, to get excited about it and, and to be able to be a cheerleader to uh, that can counter some of the uh, difficulties that I guess uh, still kind of stigmatize that area of expertise for young women. Uh, talk a little bit about uh, either any of the obstacles that you encountered in that department or uh, how you talk to parents and educators uh, when uh, they think they might have a young person who likes to, uh, you know, go and dig in the dirt and find bugs or, or, they're, or they, they want a science kit instead of, uh, uh, you know, something decidedly different as a, uh, as a birthday or holiday gift. Yeah, you know, happily, I think things are changing. Um, you know, and, and in my own personal experience, I really didn't experience the hardships that I've heard from many of my colleagues. Um, you know, I had a supportive undergraduate environment, and then, you know, graduate school was as good as it could be. Um, and so I never felt um, sort of stigmatized or, or that I had a problem because I was a woman in science. Um, and so the, what I see of girls at this age, um, 
Um, and, and what we say to the parents and educators at Tech Savvy um, is that education in math is really critical to kind of continuing their interest in STEM. Um, and the students that kind of persist in math through middle school and through high school, um, then the STEM major is a lot more accessible to them. Um, and so that seems to be still kind of a, a critical point of, um, of help that, that we're able to give. Um, but in the Tech Savvy design, so Tech Savvy began as a national um, American Association for University Women program um, that Connecticut picked up in 2014. Um, and one of the critical parts of the design of the workshop is that there's a parallel program for um, parents and educators. Um, and in that parallel program, we try to help parents and educators see how um, STEM teaching has changed um, over the years and, and sort of give them a demonstration of, of a lesson that might, have, might be taught in the school. And then we have panel discussions with um, women who are professionals in STEM, um, ranging from biology to engineering, um, and then a panel of college students to talk about really what it's like to study STEM at the college level. Um, but I think where, um, where we're really able to make a difference is that we have um, maybe for most of the parents what might be their first, um, their first conversation with college admissions profession, mm -hmm. professionals. Right. Um, and people from Trinity's admissions office have been very generous in giving their time on a Saturday to come in and really talk about what it means to apply to college and how financial aid works and, um, and really helping the parents to envision these girls as going on to college in STEM. Well, hopefully it'll be a, a beautiful day uh, because brief <laughs> campus tours are included. And yeah. uh, it's not just folks like you and, and colleagues and educators. Uh, anybody uh, who attends, who, who uh, gets in on time, is going to hear from uh, a Trinity College president, Joanne Berger-Sweeney, who's also going to give a keynote, I guess, right? Right, and and she herself is a is a very productive and and well known neuroscientist, um, you know, who took the unusual career path of going into administration. But um, but I think she's a great role model, an African American neuroscientist, um, and so she's also um, has been and uh, great about uh, doing that welcoming address every year for us. I I, I have to believe that it, it takes folks like you and uh, and uh, President uh, Berger Sweeney uh, and all of your colleagues uh, to kind of get get down uh, to the level of people who not only may have no conception or understanding of uh, the many entry points into possible STEM education and fields, um, uh, you know, but also uh, to, uh, you know, uh, break down those fears with the young people. They, they see uh, the results. They hear about the trials and tribulations uh, from you, and uh, it, it, it makes it uh, easier to uh, be ready for that kind of, uh, you know, be mentally prepared and uh, kind of uh, when, when, they, when they hit it, it, it makes it a little bit easier. Yeah, yeah, I think that's true. Um, and I hope that what they hear from all the workshop leaders um, as well is just an enthusiasm for science, you know, and really people who are, are, are very happy with what they're doing professionally and, um, and who are great mo role models in, in science and engineering. Excellent. Well, folks, if you're just uh, joining us here at the beginning of the program <laughs> this morning, uh, we are so pleased to be visiting with uh, Dr. Allison Draper. She's the director of the Science Center and director of the Center for Interdisciplinary Science at Trinity College. 
college. So here's the deal: you're going to want to uh, put uh, five dollars in the in the cookie jar uh, and make uh, plans to spend Saturday, May fourth, from eight to three at the American Association of University Women's Connecticut Chapter Tech Savvy Conference at Trinity College in Hartford. Uh, Continental Breakfast keynote from uh, from President uh, Berger Sweeney, uh, and then uh, you go into a choice of workshops. Really amazing stuff uh, that gets your hands on science and hopefully is going to excite the young women that you bring. Uh, 3D design and printing is one of the workshops, uh, as well as uh, probably one that uh, you're uh, very psyched about, uh, Dr. Draper. Uh, amazing DNA science. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and many of these workshops are, you know, tried and true. Um, the 3D design and printing is one of our most popular workshops every year. Um, and Professor Amaya Bauer comes from CCSU every year to, to present that. Um, and then there's um, engineering workshops like uh, building Rube Goldberg machines. And there's another one on um, estimating the population of black bear populations in Connecticut, which yeah. is kind of a math application. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's an engineering and uh, sort of a biomedical engineering. Engineering um, workshop called Leg Savvy, where students are actually dissecting um, chicken legs, um, and then um, making your own Android app is always a popular one. And then yep. there's a chemistry one for on pH analysis. Yeah, so lots is, of really good choices with really really good role models, and that's um, you know what we look for when we plan this event. Yeah. Well, in my in my uh, quest to try to learn something new, every time I, I meet someone new like you, Dr. Draper, I'm seeing one that's called. ELISA diagnostic testing. What is ELISA diagnostic testing all about? Um, ELISA is a technique in biochemistry where we use antibodies um, to trap biological molecules. Um, so you can take a biological fluid like blood or urine and put it on an ELISA plate. Um, the antibodies grab onto the thing you're interested in, um, like say a, a protein, a liver protein or something, and then you wash everything else off and then you can see how much liver protein is on that plate. Um, so it's a technique that's used in medical science a lot. Um, and so in, in this case, the professor doing it is going to present that to, to girls and have them do an ELISA. And some kids are going to learn a lot more, maybe more than their parents might want them to know about <laughs> household products. Well, it could be, could be. What's that one all about? Uh, oh, about the natural products. Yeah, yeah, natural um, so, pigments um, for pH. So in that one, a uh, chemist from Trinity College is using natural pigments, like from um, purple cabbage, for example, mm-hmm. um, to do pH analysis um, and looking at household products like bleach and um, other cleaners and um, vinegar and other food products um, and talking about the pH scale and, and why that's important. Excellent. There'll also uh, not only be the Continental Breakfast and the keynote, uh, but also lunch uh, included. Uh, this is the best $5 any parent of a young girl uh, in the age range uh, for, of 6th to ninth grade probably can ever spend, even if they do not find uh, an interest in springboarding off of this tech-savvy conference, possibly into a tech-savvy uh, line of school or career. Uh, they're going to walk away uh, learning something that uh, they're going to remember for the rest of their lives, maybe several things, uh, and that's why it's so exciting for us here and for the people to have the opportunity to promote it. Uh, Dr. Draper, I'm interested in, in learning how you became exposed to the uh, Association of University Women. 
Yeah, so um, I got pulled in because of Tech Savvy. Um, mm-hmm. the, in the first year that we had it in Connecticut, um, they ran it at um, Connecticut Central um, uh, CCSU. Yes, yes. Um, and the co-president of the Connecticut chapter of AAUW at the time was a Trinity alum. Um, and so she, sort of having that experience running the conference once, thought, you know, Trinity might be able to do this and do it well. And so she reached out to me, and, um, and that's how I got involved. Well, if there's moms of girls out there who are thinking, man, why would my daughter want to get involved in that? Well, uh, there's a lot of opportunities and a lot of important work for women to be doing because uh, according to a Brookings Institute report, while women earn more college degrees than men overall, only 35 percent of undergraduate degrees are issued in STEM fields and STEM field faculty remains predominantly male. Uh, women are so up underrepresented in this uh, innovation pipeline and remain underrepresented in, in most of the common digital and tech jobs. There are so many opportunities. Uh, I have to tell you, Dr. Draper, a few months ago, we were so pleased to welcome six or seven major Connecticut uh, business owners, all of companies operating within the STEM world, who all talked about how they uh, made it to become leaders in their fields. And they were all saying the same thing. We, we need more women. We need more uh, girls getting interested in this stuff. And I'm so glad you uh, were able to take the opportunity to chat with us as well. Uh, why don't you give us the final uh, invitation uh, in your voice for this event? Uh, and we'll say adieu for now and see you at the Tech Savvy Conference. Yeah, so come to Tech Savvy. You know, if nothing else, it's a fun day, and we'll see where it goes from there um, for each girl. So, yeah, yeah, no, people um, have so to Saturday, re- May 4th, 8 to 3. People have to register for this, and they can do that by emailing you, which is allison with one L, dot draper, D R A P E R, at trin call.edu uh there's also a way to register online uh, uh is is there a uh a website folks can go uh, that uh, makes it easy to link through to the registration uh there is um and if you google um AAUW tech savvy of connecticut um that will bring you to the um to the website AAUW for the American Association of University Women, who again uh, for the sixth year uh, are offering this tech savvy conference this year at Trinity College in Hartford. That is May fourth from eight to three, just five bucks, and uh, it'll de- it'll be a day that uh, a young woman that you love and care about will never forget. Uh, Dr. Allison Draper, uh, director of the Science Center at Trinity College and uh, co-chair and co-host of this event, we thank you so much for taking part in our program this morning, and we'll. Uh, look you up for uh, tech savvy number seven lucky number seven (laughs) in 2020 so look forward to talking to you again Well, we talk a lot about financial literacy here on the award-winning For the People, and uh, we're excited to welcome back uh, some good friends from the Nutmeg State Financial Credit Union. This nonprofit organization uh, is with us, providing us all kinds of great financial literacy information, and more importantly now, during April, that's right, National Financial Literacy Month is in April, and it's an ideal time to purge the waste from your spending 
spending habits and take control of your finances. We're pleased to welcome John Holt. He's president and CEO of the nonprofit Nutmeg State Financial Credit Union. And we're going to be discussing the importance of financial education and getting some tips to become more financially fit, whether uh, you are just getting your littlest baby or child uh, their very first uh, savings or college account, or you're somebody like me pushing 60 who's uh, having a hard time uh, keeping a four-figure number in my savings account. Uh, Yes, uh, truth in advertising right here, John. I'm probably one of your uh, most astute uh, students (laughs) on this program this morning. So so welcome. Before we uh, start getting into some of your pertinent advice, uh, remind us about uh, credit unions. There's a lot of talk about uh, how credit unions are really starting to uh, become uh, extremely popular uh, amongst a broader population of uh, financial service consumers. Well, thank you for having me on the show. And yeah, it's true. I mean, credit unions are, they look like um, banks. They feel like banks. They have the same um, products and services. But I think what people appreciate about a credit union, and you mentioned this, we're a not-for-profit organization. So we're in it for the people. So the, any of the money that we make, we put back toward our membership with higher rates on deposit accounts, lower rates on loans. We have little to no fees. We always look at it as an alternative to banking, and it's a community-driven. So we're part of the community. We do a lot of sponsorships in the community. We're ingrained in the community. We're all local. Um, I think most of you all know that are listening, you know, the larger uh, banks, in the area aren't local. Um, We're all local. We live locally. We make all of our loan decisions local, and I think people appreciate that. And uh, Nutmeg Nutmeg is no newcomer to the financial services world, is it? No, we've been around since 1936, and we have 10 locations in and around the area. We've opened some locations down in the southern part of the state. We, uh, our most recent one was in North Haven. That one is, has a DMV Express in it where you can go and renew your driver's license, change your address, uh, change your name. Um, and we also opened a branch in Milford, which also has the DMV Express in it. Um, I happen to actually be in that location right now, as a matter of fact. Oh, okay. um, and then we have a couple of other locations um, in Stratford and Orange in the southern part of the state, and then we have quite a few locations in and around the Hartford area. Mm-hmm. And, and, and uh, w- while you uh, compete with other financial institutions, uh, the uh, Nutmeg State Financial Credit Union is also no slouch when it comes to technical innovations. Essentially, you are uh, right up there on the front of the cutting edge with uh, electronic and mobile banking services, right? Yeah, we have really done a really good job on that. We feel that that is something that's very important to our future, um, to everyone's future. Um, People are looking for things that make their lives easier, that save them time, that can save them money, and they can have access to their accounts or their account information anywhere and everywhere. And, you know, although we have the 10 branch locations, you can do all of your banking electronically with us, which doesn't necessarily require you have a branch near you. And to make sure we keep up with the technology, we actually invested in a technology company um, last year, and they are devoted to developing software for us 
that really make things easier for um, our members. So I believe that our um, banking services, our electronic banking services, are probably more advanced than what you'd see at most banks, believe it or not. Cool. Well, uh, I have to say, around this time last year, I was uh, visiting your branch in Orange, and I was so impressed with the fact that um, even your frontline uh, client uh, assistance uh, specialists, uh, not just the uh, executives or managers, are very well versed in in financial literacy. They can really uh, walk the talk uh, with anybody who uh, comes in with a question. Uh, no obligation to buy ever at the uh, Nutmeg State organization. You guys are great teachers. Uh, tell us a little bit about the work that you do to help communities where you are based and beyond learn more about financial education. So we, we you know, as I mentioned, we're very ingrained into the community. We take um, our community involvement very seriously, and one of them is making sure people are educated on their financial, on the different financial pieces that are in their life. And we do different things. We get involved with a lot of community organizations, such as Catholic Charities, the Mercy House. And we go to these places, um, and we help them learn things like basic money management to investing to retirement planning to understanding how a debit card works to balancing a checkbook if that's what they do to understanding electronic banking and using our electronic services and we really um, believe that that is very important because a lot of people just don't understand the basics of that and it's important that they understand that because they have to make decisions that affect their financial lives Mm. And uh, um, we do different things with the, some local colleges, schools. Um, we just participated in a financial reality fair um, and that was at the Central Connecticut State University, and that mm. was we used that to help students learn in a hands-on way about things like paying bills, managing a budget. Um, so we are very involved in, in those types of things. You guys um, also uh, have some kind of a, a, a community outreach designation, right? Yeah. Uh, thank you for bringing that up. So it's called the CDFI, and that's short for Community Designated Financial Institution. And basically what that is, it's a designation. We were given some money by the federal government to help individuals particularly the underserved and minority populations in the state, to help them with understanding their finances, understanding how to do different things and invest, understand how to budget, and give them the opportunities that they may not have, whether it's through taking out a loan or opening an account. So uh, we have really been focused on helping the underserved and the minority population because they may not have um, those uh, tools necessary, and we have them for them. So um, we're very committed to that. Our board of directors are very committed to it, and we um, we take all of that stuff very seriously. And again, we have some funds from the federal government to assist um, the underserved and the minor, minority populations across the state. Well, John, what I also think is really cool about the not-for-profit Nutmeg State Financial Credit Union is you guys go where the people need 
to learn, uh, not just uh, into underserved communities and uh, uh, human services and faith-based organizations. You take your financial literacy education uh, and partner with employers. Yeah, um, a lot of businesses reach out to us because they say to us, can you come in and, you know, give a training course or a class or a seminar on investing or budgeting or retirement planning or something about 401ks so that people understand some of these basic things. We've done stuff with places like the Agency for Aging in North Haven to Two Men in a Truck Moving Company in Rocky Hill. And we've gone in there and we've, you know, presented to their employees not only on topics that they might need to understand, but we've said, and while we're there, we say, hey, these are the advantages of a credit union and the money that you could save by banking at a credit union. So uh, we actually will open accounts and allow them to apply for loans right on site. Hmm. So we kind of do all of it. Um, and, uh, you know, and it, it's amazing to us how many people really appreciate it and really don't understand a lot of those types of things that, you know, help them with their finances. Um, that's why that's why we're so um, passionate about it because there's such a lack of understanding to a lot of it. And, you know, that, that concerns us. Great. Well, we've learned a lot so far and uh, we've still got another uh, half a segment to go. It's National Financial Literacy Month here in April, and we're going to help you take better control of your finances with John Holt. He's president and CEO of the not-for-profit Nutmeg State Financial Credit Union. We're going to come back uh, right after a brief break and talk about the ways that uh, the uh, credit union builds financial education into their services that they deliver, uh, how Nutmeg helps educate younger people uh, with financial literacy initiatives, uh, services that they offer to those folks, and some all-important tips that people could use today to begin to improve their financial situation. We'll be back with John Holt uh, from the Nutmeg State Financial Credit Union. Stick with us. Uh, We will be right back. Do you love Connecticut? If you do, there are hundreds of nonprofit agencies, community groups, and grassroots causes that would love to have your support. You can learn about many of them through Love CT. Just go to our radio station website, hit the event guide tab, and click on to Love CT to help the many causes supported by Connoisseur Media. I'm Director of Public Affairs, John Voquette. We'll be back to the award-winning For the People right after this news. St. Vincent's Medical Center Foundation is hosting its annual Women at Heart Fashion Show and Auction Fundraiser April 24th at Mitchell's in Westport from 6 to 9 p.m. This event is designed to encourage women to be proactive and foster active, heart-healthy lifestyles. Proceeds from the event benefiting the St. Vincent's Regina L. Coza Women at Heart program provides under served women with much-needed cardiac screenings like blood pressure and cholesterol testing, as well as heart health education. If you'd like to learn more, be a sponsor, or attend, get in touch with the St. Vincent's Medical Center Foundation by visiting swimacrossthesound.org. Well, John Holt is with us on the program this morning as we move past the midpoint. He's president and CEO of the nonprofit Nutmeg State Financial Credit Union, not sitting up there in some big 
uh, Ivory Tower office building, but right down uh, on the front lines, uh, speaking to us right now from his Milford branch, where there's also a, uh, a DMV Express Center, if you're, if you're interested. Uh, they offer a great deal of services. We've heard a lot about them already. Uh, but right now, let's talk, John, a little bit about how you build financial education right into your services. Yeah, we've, we think that that's important. We've, uh, we, we're really excited about this program that we call the Working Wheels Program. And basically what that is, John, is it's a Working Wheels Car Ownership Program that really helps lower-income families get auto loans. Um, the Working Wheels applicants must meet with a loan consultant in person to review and complete a budget for loan payments. And um, they're also part of that program is they must complete a financial literacy class. So what we've done is we've taken this a little step further. So it gives an opportunity for people to have an auto loan with nutmeg that might not normally qualify at at any financial institution. And we've built in some understanding of how the loan works, how you can save, um, what it means, you know, if your payment is late, how what it means to have a a high credit score versus a low credit score. So um, it really has um, really taken off, and people just are amazed by it. And we spend a lot of time educating them on these types of things, and I think that that's what they really appreciate because sometimes that's what's gotten them into a difficult situation because they might have not known. We've also done some things like a savings account that – what is designated uh, particularly for the Hispanic population. We call that the Untos Amaharamos uh, account, and it's a purpose account is what we call it, just for saving for whether it's a holiday, a special occasion, and it's designed in and around the Hispanic population. All of the literature is um, in Spanish, um, and it is geared toward that population. So mm-hmm. we're excited about the fact that we can do these types of things um, for um, different, you know, um, demographics around the state. Yeah, speaking of demographics, you guys have really made great strides in uh, helping to educate uh, the next generations of financially literate uh, Americans, or at least us here in Connecticut in your jurisdiction. Uh, let's talk about some of the th- work that you're doing, because uh, I know the last time you and I met, you were just kind of getting the feel for a branch that you had opened at the Rocky Hill High School, but now uh, there's uh, uh, that integration of Nutmeg uh, Initiative. Is, uh, is spreading around the area. Yeah, that um, high school branch has been very successful because it's a branch inside the Rocky Hill High School. It's managed by students. The students are trained by us. They do some internship programs with us, and they've taken that to all of their fellow students in the school. And we've worked with schools like the CREC High School in East Hartford, the Capital Community College, in the Manchester Community College in the past, um, talking to the, this particular younger demographic about the different products and services that we have, what is the difference between a bank and a credit union. Um, and, you know, again, we figured, we thought to ourselves, we need to do these things now so that they understand these things at a younger age, and it helps them, whether they're going to college, they're looking for a job, 
Um, they're moving out of their home. They're buying their first car. We have all types of programs for the younger generation. Yeah, tell me more about. So yeah, tell me more about some of those programs. Yeah, some of what we we for example we offer a checking account for teens. So from 13 on, if you want to get a checking account with a debit card with a certain limit, we'll give that to you. We'll start them that early. We have accounts that we call Kids Club accounts that young children, um, in, in some cases children that are just born, uh, it allows the parents to establish a savings account for them at an early age. We pay a higher premium on those types of accounts in regard to interest rates. And, of course, these accounts really don't have any fees, and most of them are completely electronic, you know, for the younger generation that's, in, for the most part, into all of those things. So um, we, we have a first-time home buyers program um, that we will help somebody buy their first-time home, and we offer special financing, the same thing with an auto loan program, a first-time auto loan buying program. We'll help you find the car. We'll help you finance it if you have no credit. So um, there's a lot of things that we do for the younger generation. Great. Well, uh, John Holt, in the last few minutes that we have with you, let's uh, let's uh, do the money shot here and uh, give some folks uh, that all-important information that anybody could use to start becoming more financially literate and financially stable today. Let's start... Uh, with uh, ways that folks can cut expenses? Well, I think one of the things that everyone has to really try to do is kind of establish a budget. Okay, what is your income? What are the necessary expenses that you can't get rid of, whether it's a mortgage or a car payment, insurance, utilities? And, you know, what is it that you have left over? And kind of have a budget. And don't spend outside your means. You know, that's always the case. Don't put yourself so far in debt or in a hole that you can't get out of it, um, you know, and find ways to try to save. Even if it's a little bit every week, we've done things like a 52-week challenge where we'll, you know, give people incentives to save even if it's a dollar a week. And by the end of the year, you have like, you know, $100. It's, mm. it, again, better than nothing. And really look at the rates that you're paying on credit cards. Oftentimes we see situations where somebody you know, applies for a credit card and they've had it for so long, they haven't really paid attention to the rate, and it's like 20 22%. And we have uh, credit cards that, you know, our rates don't really go above 9 10% at the most. Hmm. So um, I, that's where, you know, if you're paying more than the balance on your account and interest payments, that can be very problematic for somebody's budget. And, of course, different things that you can do, um, you know, automatic ways to save. You don't even have to worry. We'll move money from one account to the other into a savings account to help you. So, you know, and then the other thing is refinancing some of your debt. It's like, okay, how do I consolidate this? Let me get rid of like five or six bills, put it into one payment, reduce that cost, and then kind of start over. So those are some of the things that we have advice for, for people that are 
perhaps struggling with that. Yeah. I, I, you know, it's funny, John, when it comes to savings, I think it's like dieting. A lot of people say, all right, my goal is I'm going to lose 20 pounds before the summer. Or I'm going to lose a hundred pounds uh, between this new year's and next new year's. And, and, and it's the same with savings. They, they, they think that it's just stupid to try to go small, but you guys, you have a system where folks just start with, like you said, saving a dollar a day or a dollar a week. Uh, it's all about uh, taking uh, manageable bites toward the larger goal and then uh, continuing to roll those savings up, whether it's to uh, put down as collateral against a car or maybe someday against a house or you want to take a vacation, uh, you know, picking a reason to uh, extract from savings or, uh, you know, making it fun and, and interesting. And it's great how the uh, Nutmeg State Financial Credit Union is doing it. As a matter of fact, it's so awesome that you guys got a great URL. It's called bankingawesome.com. So what more do people need to know? Exactly. We're really, we're really proud of what we do. We're, we're happy to be part of the communities. And, you know, it, it's a great, you know, we, we saw the moments in time back in, you know, the last financial crisis where, you know, the big bank thing was the main topic. And we saw a lot of new members coming in. And, you know, what's unique about a credit union is you, when you join, and I say that word, you become part of something. You're a part owner of the organization. So when you open in a checking account and you open it or a savings account or you're doing a loan with us or a mortgage, you become a part owner. So I, I think people appreciate that, and they don't realize that that's what it's about, that they have an ownership in something. And the fact that we're not for profit and we're out for the people, I think, is a is something that we're going to see more and more people migrating away from those big banks and financial institutions and coming to a credit union. Well, we're out for the people right there by your side. As a matter of fact, we are for the people, and we really appreciate you joining us here during April, National Financial Literacy Month. John Holt is president and CEO of the not-for-profit Nutmeg State Financial Credit Union, serving our area since 1936 and banking awesome.com is where you go to start learning all about getting financially literate or uh, bringing your current status to a whole new level. Uh, John Holt, great to speak with you and we'll chat again. Thanks so much for being on the show. Yeah. Hey, you. Yes, I'm talking to you out there driving your car and texting while you're driving. Drop it. Stop it. Do not text and drive. This is Distracted Driving Awareness Month here in April, and we are so pleased that you're going to stop texting and pay attention because we've got Kelly Nantel on the line. She's Vice President of Communications and Advocacy for the National Safety Council. And if you're not aware of that agency, well, they are working to eliminate preventable deaths at work in homes and communities and on the road through leadership, research, education, and advocacy. And we are going to be talking about distracted driving and I guess a brand new survey uh, or a recent survey that's just come out. Kelly, welcome to the program. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, John. I'm happy to be here. So, um, first of all, uh, give us a little bit of background on Distracted Driving Awareness Month. Uh, it seems like they've uh, invented a, a day, a week, or a month for almost everything. Uh, this must be <laughs> this must be relatively a recent uh, 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 development uh, for the National Safety Council. Sure. 
Yeah, so Congress actually designated April as Distracted Driving Awareness Month back in 2010, and the National Safety Council has sort of taken leadership over the month, officially starting our observations in 2011. We really see it as an opportunity to focus a lens on the growing social issue of our constant need for connectivity and the fact that it's killing us. And so we've developed a whole set of resources that are free to anyone to download and use uh, at our website nse.org slash just drive, but uh, everything from pledges to uh, statistical data and reports that help you understand both the cognitive and the manual distraction uh, that cell phones represent in the driving environment. Mm. The other thing that is sort of been mystifying to me and I'm, and I imagine frustrating to folks like you in the traffic safety world is you know, it's been nine years since Distracted Driving Awareness Month was codified uh, across the country. And yet it seems like in those nine years, uh, automakers have populated all of the cars that were driving with many more opportunities to become distracted with all of these uh, electronic information panels and readouts and video screens and things. Uh, Talk to me just a little bit about that and how your organization uh, might be working toward uh, finding some sort of a middle ground where uh, the car manufacturers are, are kind of getting on board to try to minimize distractions within the vehicles they make. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a really great point, uh, and, and you're absolutely right. The National Safety Council is very concerned about the uh, the infotainment systems, those in-dash systems that are in a lot of cars these days. There are some systems that are better than others in terms of limiting the distraction, um, and the AAA uh, did, a, did a study on that uh, they released last year that was really interesting and insightful. But the bottom line is that it's all distracting, and the automakers will say that that consumers demand it. They they want the they want the uh, the ability to manipulate and and use the the apps on their phone, and they're creating it in an environment that is less less distracting than them actually using their phone to to do that yeah. those kinds of tasks. Now, you know, from our perspective as a safety organization, we absolutely do not like those systems. We we recognize that some are better than others, but all of them are distracting mm-hmm. and. And just because we want something doesn't mean we should have it. Just because we can do it doesn't mean we should. And we regularly talk with the auto industry about these uh, issues. And, you know, and I do believe that they're good partners in this. Um, they're trying to thread a needle as well. Yeah. But uh, we are always going to err on the side of safety. And I guess maybe it was inappropriate uh, or somewhat inappropriate for us to just call out people who might be texting while driving and listening to our program on the radio this morning or at all, because distracted driving is not just about electronics and handheld devices. It's the cup of coffee. It's the breakfast sandwich. Yep. Uh, it's uh, the, the, the business card or the notebook from work that you're just looking at to check a, a time or something. Yeah. It's amazing the, the various types of distractions that you see as you're driving down the road. I know in my commute in Chicago, I was always amazed to see people reading the newspaper, putting their makeup on, talking on their phone, texting, you know, all very distracting behavior 
behaviors. I think what makes cell phone distraction a little bit different is the degree of the cognitive distraction that cell phones represent. Mm. So it's not just that your hands are otherwise occupied, but your brain is occupied, and it's occupied in a, in a really high-intense environment. Having a conversation on the phone or texting requires a lot of cognition, and that takes your brain away from the driving task. It's dangerous for you, for your passengers, and for everyone around you. Yeah. Uh, uh, Kelly, I'm also interested in learning if uh, you folks are working in any way with the larger franchises of uh, driving schools, because um, that's another place where there is sort of like almost like a captive teaching mm-hmm. moment or series of teaching moments if you've got the right instructor who can uh, kind of walk the talk in the right way so that it sinks in. No, you're absolutely right. And we do provide a, a pretty intense uh, distracted driving component to our defensive driving programs, our offerings, which, you know, is really exciting. I think that to, to address this problem, it really, it always takes three things. It takes good laws, it takes strong enforcement, and it takes public education. People have to know and understand what they're doing, why it's dangerous, and what the consequences are. And, and so I think um, providing training, whether it's, uh, it's a driver, training or retraining, but putting information out in front of people is, is very helpful. And that's what we're doing and we're going to continue to do. Excellent. Well, uh, I, I'm, I'm seeing references here in the uh, advanced material to a survey that was done. Was this a, um, a, a National Safety Council survey that uh, came up with some of the, this newest and latest data on distracted driving? Yes. So the National Safety Council partnered with an organization called the Emergency Responder Safety Institute. We wanted to really look into driver behavior and driver habits in and around crash scenes or at times when emergency response vehicles are on the side of the road. And and what we found was was really troubling. We found that 71% of drivers admitted that they take photos or videos when they see an emergency vehicle stopped on the side of the road or when they're passing, you know, a, a car crash scene. That's, that's troubling in and of itself. But then what we learned was 60% of those drivers admitted that they post those photos and videos to social media while they're behind the wheel. So, you know, not only are, are they not paying attention to the task at hand, which is driving, you know, but then they're, they're manipulating their phones and social media and, and uh, really, I think, creating an environment or making an environment that is already dangerous even more dangerous. And, and we're seeing that in the number of first responders who have been killed uh, this year there have been 17 already oh, oh my gosh and this so the the danger is not only to those who are encased uh, in their vehicles or, or riding on on motorcycles or, or other um, uh, motor vehicles but also to the the responders even the tow truck drivers who have to kind of take their life in their hands every time they roll out of their headquarters and uh, and they're put at greater risk now as a result yep. of this phenomena and and the other thing uh, uh, Kelly is um, these uh, traffic apps that that almost encourage you to report yeah. when there's something you see on the side of the road. 
Yo, you're absolutely right. Those traffic apps uh, really can contribute to the dangers out there. It's one thing to be well-informed about what's happening around you uh, on the roadway, and, and I think certainly some of those apps can be helpful, especially if they have auditory alerts so you hear it, uh, you know, almost like your GPS uh, device. But, you know, the fact that they encourage manipulation and, you know, add your own comments and commentary to it, again, it, it takes your attention away from this task at hand, and it's very dangerous. In Illinois last week, two state troopers were killed in two separate crashes uh, on the side of the road. And just last night in Maine, not too far from from you, uh, another state trooper was killed when he was struck on the side of the road. So the consequences of of driver behavior and inattention is so significant. It's real and it's personal. Well, I guess uh, in in keeping with our mission to advocate and educate, um, it bears visiting. Uh, the issue of the law, uh, I guess, uh, according to uh, your findings at the National Safety Council, a lot of people don't realize legal requirements for drivers when they are at or approaching the scene of some sort of uh, roadside emergency. Yeah, you're right. So there, every state has some form of a move-over law to protect the first responders, uh, and but they vary from state to state. But generally speaking, if you are encountering or coming on coming upon a first responder vehicle, uh, the laws require that you move over so that you change lanes to give them more space, you know, to be safe and work safely in, and that you slow down. The good news from our survey was that seventy, about seventy-three percent, you know. Nearly, nearly uh, three out of four of the respondents said that they actually do move over to the side when they see an emergency vehicle on the side of the road. Um, you know, which is a good sign. But gosh, there are many states out there who are working to strengthen their move over laws. Uh, it is so important that we protect the very people who are out there trying to keep us safe. Excellent. Well, when you are not driving, we encourage people to social hashtag just drive to try to help keep us all safer on the roads. According to our uh, great sources here at the National Safety Council, every day at least nine Americans die and over 100 are injured in distracted driving crashes. And uh, the National Safety Council wants to help you if you're the parent of a fledgling or new driver, uh, if If you're an educator, if you're a safety specialist, law enforcement, uh, the National Safety Council has tons of great resources for you uh, to help try to get the message across. Um, uh, So, Kelly, uh, in the last few minutes that we have, let's talk a little bit about uh, some of the uh, targeted uh, media that you have available for people, including employers. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you for mentioning that. We have an employer toolkit. We have a safe driving toolkit that gives all sorts of tips and and great information about how to be safe on the road, what your responsibility is when you're behind the wheel. Uh, We also have lots of infographics and interesting uh, videos and and other material that's all free and downloadable. And it's great for sharing in social media to help spread the word about the dangers of distracted driving. Uh, we regularly work with employers to help them uh, consider implementing cell phone bans and as policy in their companies. We know that makes a difference. 
Um, and, you know, so we, we're, we do a lot of great work, but we make all of our resources available for free. NSC.org slash Just Drive is where you can find many of those resources. Uh, and, of course, anytime they can reach out to us through our website, we're happy to, to work with anybody. Yeah, and there's also uh, something about membership I see here. Tell me about that. That's right. Right. So the National Safety Council is a nonprofit. We've been around for over 100 years. We're also a membership company. We work, as you said, to eliminate preventable deaths in works and homes and communities and on the road. And so we have about 15,000 companies who are members of the National Safety Council, which demonstrates their commitment to work, worker safety. Uh, that's about 6.2 million employees uh, under those 15,000 companies. And so we regularly design and, and provide to them resources that help keep their employees safe both on and off the job. Great. Uh, if you uh, were able to offer one tip to uh, parents who are either uh, kind of white knuckling their way toward their child's driver education uh, period in their lives or who have just uh, recently gotten their licenses, what would you say is the most effective way that you've either anecdotally heard or have learned through data uh, are, are some effective ways to, to kind of speak right to the uh, person who may be uh, the biggest part of the problem. Yeah, so I would say for parents, the greatest thing that they can do is model safe driving behavior. We know that kids are a sponge, and they will repeat the behaviors that they see their parents doing, whether it's speeding, whether it's not using their directionals, or distracted driving and impaired driving. So that's number one, is they've got to model the behavior that they want to see from their kids. We have some great resources at a website called driveathome.org for parents of teens who are learning to to drive, um, and I think practicing with your teen and really putting the time in. It, it, we take for granted driving. You know, as you get older, you take it for granted. And I think oftentimes we forget the, how dangerous of a task it is. Uh, I think with young drivers, I mean, this is the greatest way for them to be killed is behind the wheel of a car. We have to make sure that we're training them well, that we're uh, that we're giving them opportunities to practice in a safe environment, and that we're modeling the best behavior that we can. That means. In this case, put the phone down, don't be distracted behind the wheel, and focus on the task at hand. Very good. More than 40,000 people died on U.S. roads last year, many of them in incidents and collisions involving distracted driving. April is Distracted Driving Awareness Month, and we really appreciate Kelly Nattel being part of the program this morning. She's Vice President of Communications and Advocacy for the National Safety Council. If you'd like specific information on Distracted Driving Month or to learn more about becoming a member of the National Safety Council or just to peruse their wide range of non-member materials, you can go to nsc.org slash road safety and get more information. Kelly, it was fantastic to meet you. Stay safe on the roads, and I will too, and uh, have a great Distracted Driving Awareness Month. And thank you for all the great work you and the National uh, Safety Council are doing to educate us on this important matter. You've been listening to our award-winning public affairs program for the people. The opinions expressed on this broadcast represent those of our guests and hosts. If you have a suggestion for a guest, an issue, or a PSA relevant to the audience and communities we serve, you must make a request for airtime in writing to me, 
via email at john.voket. That's john.voket at connoisseurct.com. We do not accept pitches or requests for coverage by phone. Remember, no part of this program may be copied, disseminated, or rebroadcast without permission of Connoisseur Media. Our public file reflecting the full scope of our station's responsiveness to critical issues in the communities we serve can be reviewed upon request during normal business hours at 440 Wheeler's Farms Road in Milford or on our station website. Our theme music is by Rick Miller and Scott's with original music by Noel Viette. I'm Director of Public Affairs, John Voquette. Join us again at this time next week for more conversation and important information on the award-winning For the People. Don't forget, you can listen to this and other For the People podcasts anytime on iTunes or under the podcast tab on our station's website. Until this time next week, thanks for listening.